Hello and welcome to the 15th, no, 15th, what? 25th. 25th. Oh my god. Our very, first, our very 25th and 25th special. That's it's, right. It's Yeah, it's been a quarter of a hundred episodes. Wow. Quarter of a century, as someone would say from a movie slash musical. <laughs> okay. It's sad in a movie slash musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the Game for a Movie podcast. I am your host, Mike Butank. I am joined by... Andre. Jillian. Or Jill. <laughs> And Mitchell. Mitchell's, yeah! Mitchell's calling in. Right that's, you. that's the first time since quarantine started that I think we actually could like point at people and everybody could say their name, and yeah. it's great. Yeah. Uh, it's good to see you guys. It's good to see you, too. We have some great movies on tap, uh, but also on tap, we have some beers that we are drinking. Oh, dude, I love the segue. You're just, you're just killing it today. Oh, nailed it, man. What are you drinking, Andre? I am drinking the local bud from Firefly Hollow Brewing. Oh, Firefly Hollow, mm-hmm. right up the road, actually. Exactly, oh, right? Very nice, yes. Mm-hmm. And then I'm drinking the Super Duper Double Citra from Ooh. Thomas Hooker, which is not right up the road. It but is not right up the road. Close enough, yeah. enough from where we live. It's CT grown. It's still delicious. Hartford based. Yes. Uh, Mitchell, what do you got over there? So I'm starting off tonight with a little Blue Moon Belgian White, and then I'm going to transition over to a nice pour of Gentleman Jack. Oh, so nice okay. Whiskey to cap things off. All is, right. Is Blue Moon the one that you put an orange in, or is that yes, only? Yes, okay. that is that. That's the one. Yeah. Mitchell, yep. do you have an orange in yep. there? I do not. I Ugh. don't have any orange on me, unfortunately. What um, I'm just I'm just drinking this right out the bottle. Wow. What an animal. What an animal. <laughs> Uh, I am drinking Those Aren't Pillows, a pecan pie barley wine that is uh, also a quote from one of my favorite Thanksgiving movies, which is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I have not seen that um, You haven't seen it either? I want to. Have you seen it? Nope. It's one of the few actual yeah. classic <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I know. Mitchell, you haven't seen it either, right? No. Netflix oh watch say... party. Yeah, that's the thing. It should be a, like a good movie watch party for us. Yeah, right. Claire hasn't Thanks, seen it either. Thanksgiving like, 2021. It's John Candy and Steve, Steve Martin. Martin. And I'd love it because I love Steve Martin. And we're going to earn our explicit rating this week because it also has the best use of fuck ever. Mm. There's literally a scene where there is 17 utterances of the word fuck matt stone and trey parker would be proud they would be very proud mm. uh it is also it makes sense to the story and it's great it's it's literally i can't talk enough about this movie i'm so disappointed that all of you have not seen this well, movie. We'll, we will fix it we'll fix we'll it oh, okay all right one of these days we're gonna watch it but uh we have some other movies that we are going to talk about uh mitchell we'll start with you then I'll go, then Andre, and then our loser this week was Jill, yeah. who has a glorious movie to talk about. Oh, yeah. It, uh, it, is, it is a thing. I hope you don't love furniture, because by the end of my little spiel, you will be afraid of it. Oh, my God. Yes. I'm looking forward to this. So, Mitchell, get us started with what you watched uh, this past time. Yeah, you know, um, on Friday, Netflix uh, bestowed upon its subscribers a beautiful addition to what is, I think, one of the best uh, directorial canons in modern movie history. Mm-hmm. David Fincher adding his next movie is Mank. Mank. Now, Mank, I would say, right off the top, this is definitely a movie aimed right at the heart of film nerds. People who love Hollywood history have... You know, a thing for old black and white movies at home, probably have HBO Max because of the Turner Classic Movies collection. Yep. Um, 
And Mank, for those who don't know, it's about the writing of the movie Citizen Kane. Um, a lot of never folks, heard of it. Mainly, never heard of it. Mainly from the academic circles in film, consider it the best movie of all time. Um, <laughs> I'm definitely not one of those guys. Um, you should <laughs> definitely watch it. You should definitely watch it just because um, it's definitely a part and a huge part of, of American film history for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was a story that star directed and was co-written by Orson. The story about the co-writer um, with Orson, and that was Herman Mankiewicz. Uh, Herman Mankiewicz is the screenwriter and is played by Gary Oldman in this movie. Uh, this before you continue, can we yeah. get that last line again? Because you accidentally paused yourself. Yeah, it's like your phone oh, yeah. didn't want to say the name. So no. <laughs> he's a he's a problematic guy. Gary Oldman <laughs> plays Herman Mankiewicz. That still that wasn't the line we were trying for, but it's good enough. <laughs> Orson <laughs> Welles was the director. Right? That was the question oh, I it. got wrong during our game. Yeah, that's yes. right. That's the reason why we had to watch that movie. Is Orson Welles? <laughs> Dang. Fuck you, Orson Welles. <laughs> <laughs> and a big old fuck you to Orson Welles. All right, so uh, Gary Oldman. Yeah, Gary Oldman. It- film playing Herman Mankiewicz. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a movie that stars long and is shot completely in black and white. And let me start with the good stuff to the criticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best part about this movie, in my mind, was all the technical things. So everything from how it was shot, um, all the scene transitions, how it was edited, the music by Trent Reznor, uh, yet again teaming Ooh. up with David Fincher, this is a throwback and less of, you know, an SNL parody of what um, Citizen Kane looked like. But really, it was these uh, craftsmen, you know, in film paying homage to that movie. And it's mm-hmm. done very, very well. The only thing that was a little cheeky to me added the uh, cue marks on the cor- right hand corner of the screen. You know, those circles that would come up. Mm-hmm. In oh, the film. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They added that, and, you know, to their credit, they added those about once every 15 minutes, which is when those would show up in real life. Hmm. Um, so even then, the attention to detail is there, and it's a David Fincher movie, so of course it is. Yeah, right. right. Um, and then my all-time favorite performance this year, I would say, is Amanda Seyfried as Marion Davies. Wow. Now, she, is a, she is a dead Amanda. ringer for Davies. Most people, you know, I was looking at all my favorite critics and their main takeaways. It's a very mixed um, review movie so far. But the thing that stands out the most in all these reviews is how much people love Amanda in this role. Would you um, say, just yeah. off the off the bat, Oscar performance winning or? I would put, uh, the thing is, I haven't, <laughs> there are so many movies that will end up being nominated yeah. at this year's Oscars that, simply have not been made available yet right um but as of right now yes um she Mm. she kind of fits the bill in my mind anytime you get a supporting character in there kind of one of your roles in terms of um if you want to go and win an oscar you have to be a steam sealer and that's exactly what she has done in so many different scenes most notably there is a walk in the park uh that she and mank have uh essentially just spewing about how they got to Hollywood and what their philosophies are and all that kind of stuff. Nice. Uh, very, very great performance. Now to the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. This is a, <laughs> this is a film that was written by Jack Fincher, 
who is David's late father, I believe he passed away in 2003. Mm. Um, and this was a screenplay that had been, you know, written a long, long time ago. And so much, in fact, when Fincher was coming out to success, I believe it was either Seven or Fight Club, and mm-hmm. Jack showed him the screenplay. He's like, what do you think? Not to say make it, but just genuinely to ask, hey, what do you think of this? Right. And he goes, and David says, I just don't see how this like is going to speak to people. I don't see how this is a movie that could be for 2000 or 2001. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward to 2020, a lot of the parts of the movie that end up answering that question, like why now? Uh, the, the big reason of why now is this plot about Upton Sinclair running for uh, the governorship of California. And okay. the whole the whole idea there is the politics game that kind of reflects what you see today hmm. about Yelp and big media completely warping people's ideas of what is the truth in an election. And that I'm like, okay, so clearly there is some ideas at play here that simply was not in the forefront of anyone's mind back in 2000. Right. Um, all's to say that completely derails the movie. This, In my mind, the best part of this movie is all the character-driven moments, uh, whether that's Mank confronting William Randolph Hearst um, or, you know, it's them with Amanda Seyfried doing whatever the hell she wanted to do in this movie, and it was fantastic. <laughs> I think the, the relationship between Mank and Lily Collins' character, Rita Alexander, is also very great. Uh, Lily was essentially the... Uh, uh, the scribe for Mank okay. as they were writing the script. Um, so all these different moments and scenes ended up of making for what I felt was a very warm reflection and in kind of a weird way, a warp of what Citizen Kane was, which is a reflection of a man's life. Right. And that's what we got there. But then you just have all this political stuff and don't get me wrong. It was definitely hitting all the right notes for me in terms of, yes, that's true. Yes, that's bad in terms of the politics, but in terms of serving the story in the movie, it feels like they're aiming at too many different targets at the same time, which mm-hmm. for David Fincher sounds really off-brand. He's yeah, a very right. precise director, you know? Yeah. And I'll say this, a lot of folks who I've read who love this movie had seen it at least three times. Oh, okay. Wow. One of those ones is better and, on a rewatch? Yeah, and There's the thing is, it's a, two hour, it's a two-hour flick, and the best part about Netflix, I have not rewatched the entire movie, but what I have done is gone back to certain scenes. Okay. Um, one of my all-time favorite scenes, I think, is there's this great line, and it's in the it's in the trailer as well, where Louis B. Mayer is basically spewing out his um, philosophy on what the Hollywood industry is, and it's a great character introduction. It's him walking from his office over to a studio where he's about to let all the actors and crew members know that everyone's about to take a pay cut because this is during the Depression. On his way over there, he's kind of flexing in front of Mank, just showing how powerful he is. And he basically says, the magic of movies um, isn't like any of the special effects or whatever. It's the fact that the product that people have is just the memory of what they watched. I still own the product. All they have, all they bought was the memory. And I think that is going to speak to a lot of the news that we're going to be talking about later with Warner Brothers and what they're doing. Yep. Uh, But to end this review, I would say there's a lot going on there. It's a heavy movie in terms of dissecting 
frankly, there's a lot that's hard to follow, but the character stuff is fantastic. The technical stuff is beautiful to look at. The music, I think, is fantastic. And Trent Reznor, from what I heard, he also did the score for Soul, which is the new Pixar movie coming out Mm. on Christmas. This is incredible to me that Trent Reznor, of all people, is doing all this. Right. I mean, he went for it. Like, I actually was looking at his filmography. His first movie he did was Social Network, which I thought it was. Good yeah. for him. Yeah. No, this is great. He's been nominated 65 times. He's like, only won one Oscar. I, I literally, I like Trent Reznor. It's just interesting to me to guess that he did all of this, yeah. like, movie work. Mm. Um, Sorry. Mitchell, I do have a question for yeah. you. Do you think that there is, I don't want to say director's cut because everyone is immediately going to think, like, the Snyder cut, but do you think that there is deleted scenes or an extended version of this film out there that might, um, when it gets a print release, either on Blu-ray or DVD, do you think that is, or do you think what you're seeing is the full film? No, so I think what we're seeing is the full film. I think what David, so, and I'm not even sure if the life cycle for a movie is going to exist with Netflix, right, because... This is good. This is Netflix living on the platform. Yeah. Um, so I think that what we just saw is exactly what um, So as much as I say it feels unfocused, for all the things that I read, things become more clear and apparent the more you watch it, which is to say uh, watching movies should not be homework. No. And, you know, I would rather Ooh. have that great experience once and then be rewarded for all these different things. But to understand the momentum of the characters and all that, that shouldn't be something that be apparent on the second or third watch, in my opinion. Um, and and to um, read some notes to Eric Roth, who's a Academy Award winning uh, screenplay or you know screenwriter. Uh, he worked on The Curious Case of Benjamin Button with um, oh, with David Fincher before, and he won his Oscar with uh, Forrest uh, Gump. Uh, he is listed as a producer on this film, but he was also a guy who. Apparently, it was someone who went over the script with David Fincher, um, tried to give it some kind of modern touch, I guess you could say, um, okay. whatever in the past 20 years would have been different. Um, but yeah, so maybe, I don't know. It, it's tough to say, Bill. It's mm-hmm. really tough to say, but I think this is the movie that Fincher wanted. Okay. Okay. Hmm. So what would you give it as a review what, out of five? I'm giving it a solid three out of five. Okay. And... You know, for for me, that is on the lower end of Fincher movies. Yeah, I've yet to see Alien Three, though I think that would probably be the lowest. <laughs> I Holy think crap. you're safe there. I, I somehow forgot he did Alien Three. <laughs> Holy moly! Did Fincher do Existence? Uh, is that Fincher? I don't know. Which one? Existence. No, I don't believe so. No, I think so. it's the other if, David. If, that's so David that, fin- that's the problem when you guys call in. I can't use my phone and look it up. <laughs> <laughs> No, so for me, uh, David Fincher, you know, his version of Citizen Kane, ironically, is not, I think it's called The Social Network, and it came out 10 years ago. Um, I would say that is his best movie. Uh, this is probably middle of the pack for me, um, but this is definitely also to say David Fincher's warmest movie. Um, it feels huh. like there is an actual human being and not this cold, calculated director doing a hundred different takes of the same scene just to get the body movements right. Interesting. Um, wow. All right. This, so in all of that to say, three out of five, I'll say three out of five Q marks for me, which is the whole <laughs> okay. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Where, where does seven fall on your list of David Fincher movies? Just because I think that's my number oh, one. That immediately, yeah, that's at least top three. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Two or three. 
I, I love Seven. I can watch it anytime. It's that movie when it's on television. Like yeah, I it's like, it oh, on. hey. Seven yeah. is a good example of, like, not necessarily being homework, but the reviewer is rewarded. rewarded yes, for yes. That, is a, that yeah. is a really good movie to rewatch all the time, for sure. Uh, Absolutely. I, I guess I will jump in with the movie that I saw, which is definitely not homework. Uh, the movie I saw is called Fat Man. Okay. <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk about this movie just because it had such an impact on me. I rented <laughs> this movie from iTunes and then realized I couldn't stream it to my TV. Oh, no. So I watched the entire thing on my phone on the couch. Fun. Wow, okay. Um, it is about Santa Claus, ah. played by Mel Gibson. Great. Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson? Mel yes, Gibson, Mel, Gibson, Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson. I don't know why my brain went to Mel Brooks and I was like, yeah, that's... No, it is Mel Gibson. Oh, yes, that Mel, that Mel Gibson. Uh, Mel. And so basically, um, he, the directors say they went to a, they wanted to create a realistic Santa. So, for example, they, uh, there's so many bad kids nowadays, they don't make as many presents, so they don't earn the money that they get from the government for creating Christmas. They created Christmas so that people would buy stuff for each other and like consumerism. Okay. okay. But now there's so many bad kids they have been giving more coal so the consumerism has gone down. So the military wow. gave them less money. Okay. <laughs> in, order, in order to subsidize the money they're missing for the first two months of the year they signed Santa and Mrs. Claus who's played by Marianne Jean-Baptiste who's awesome in this movie. Okay, yeah. Uh, they give them to do a military contract where they build the panel for drones for the first two months. So the elves are building... Yep. Oh. Okay. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, this movie on paper is batshit crazy. Yep, yep. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the hell out of it. And I hate how much I enjoyed this movie. Okay. Well, okay, so... But wait, there's more. Right. <laughs> I, oh, I'm, I'm, I got you right. You're starting to bite in, <laughs> and then oh, I'm gonna pull you in because there's more. Oh there's a 12 year old sadistic kid who gets coal, and he of course does the line. If you watch the trailer, he like gets in the snow and I'll get you for this, fat man. Uh, okay. Name drop. Ro roll credits. Roll credits. Right. Um, well, he is in touch. With an assassin. As you are, 12 years old. Okay. Yes, he's so, been stealing money from his grandmother to get this assassin to basically, like, he got him to kidnap the girl who won the science fair oh. um, and kill people that are just in his way. Okay, psycho in the making. Uh, so wait, so yeah. he's already murdered people for, for this kid? Um, Not murdered, Threatened. but, like, accepts all this money to blackmail them. So, like, okay. this, this science fair girl... He basically said, you're going to say you cheated, and if you say anything, I'm going to come by, I'm going to kill your father, I'm going to kill your mother, Jesus I'm going to kill Christ. your dog. Okay. But so we it, he's already extorted people with yeah. this guy. Okay, got we it. We haven't talked about the assassin. Right. It's Walton Goggins. Who? Walton Goggins. Okay. Uh, the guy who was in Justified, Vice Principals. Oh, yeah, that guy! I had to uh, look up a picture of Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yes, he's in... Who? Oh, God. He is an Ant-Man and the Wasp. He's the bad guy, or one of the bad guys. Not Ghost, but he's like slick businessman that like. Not Lawrence Fishburne. Not not Lawrence Fishburne. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. No. He's he's like a secondary bad guy. Okay. He works for somebody and like has this whatever. 
Um, he is the assassin. And basically, he gets hired by the kid to find the fat man and bring his head. Wow, Jesus Christ. This kid's going to work for the jugular. Yeah. Uh, it is an hour and 40 minutes. The first hour is fun and, like, off-the-wall craziness. The last 20 minutes is a shootout at the North Peak in Alaska. Okay. Next and they zone. do the whole joke where, like, there's a sign that says North P, and then they zoom out, and it's North Peak, Alaska, and it uh, follows his car moving in. Okay. So they do that joke, you know, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then the last 20 minutes is, like, a shootout between Santa, Walton Goggins, and uh, Mrs. Claus. Good for Mrs. Claus getting in on the action. Yeah, right. Um, Walton Goggins somehow kills, like, 40 soldiers that are there. Right. So, like, is he, like, like what's Walton Goggins' deal? Like, is he just, like, a super trained assassin military he's just, guy? He's an assassin that's always been, like, wanting, like, he's wanted this job for forever. Okay. Because at the end, as you learn, uh, he asked Santa for one thing and never got it. What's and it? that was new parents. Because his parents abused the shit out of him. Oh. And, like, oh. he has, like, cigarette burns down his arm. Oh, okay. What the fuck? Wow, yeah. all right, okay. That, that took a twist. That's See, a little bit of a heel so turn, I guess. an hour and 40 minutes, and the first hour is great. The last 20 minutes were a shootout. What about those 20 minutes? It goes 20 minutes too long. Oh, <laughs> no. It's just a Jill slow... Jill did the math. It's just a slow burn. I'm glad you did the math. Uh, it's just a slow burn 20 minutes where it's just like, oh. Come on, just get there. There's a part where uh, Walton Goggins has, like, a hamster that he cares about more than anything in the world. And so, like, he goes to this pet store, and the woman's like, you don't hit me as a hamster person. Do you want a snake? Do you want, want like, a a cold-blooded reptile? And, like, it's just sitting there like, oh, we're just showing how cold he is. And then he buys, like, all this hamster gear and puts it in his car. So, like, the hamster is running around the car and, like, two stuff and wheel. And, <laughs> and then, like, it's, it's a cute scene, but it's so unnecessary. But overall, I really enjoy the film. I think it's going to be, like, a cult classic Christmas film. And so would you, I guess, okay, that's the ultimate test. Would you watch this around Christmas time five-ish yes. years from now? Yes, I like think that. I would. Okay. And I tweeted my friends about it because it just so happened to be a tweet about it. And I said, you know, Fat Man was like surprisingly good. Like, I'd recommend it. The director commented and liked it. Oh, like, hey. Hey. But I didn't put hashtag Fat Man. I didn't do anything except for just write the words Fat Man was surprisingly good. Or like that kind of thing. But he's a social media aide was and, on that. And so he is all over this. Wow. Like he everybody that puts Fat Man uh, and social media on Twitter, he's are, are, immediately. Are we sponsored like, by Fat Man now? Are we sponsored by them? Uh I don't think so. Oh, okay. Um but I might tag him in our like Instagram post or Facebook post or something yeah. like that. Because he seems like a nice guy. Sure. Him and his brother wrote it and directed it. Gotcha. Um the trailer is ridiculous and looks like it's gonna be the dumbest movie. Don't go in expecting Citizen Kane. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay. (laughs) Roger that. I don't think a lot of people do that. (laughs) Yeah. But like the six bucks I spent on it. Sure. I would watch it again. Was it a directorial debut or did the director have other things under his belt? Maybe. I don't know. I didn't look up that far. Uh, Ian Nelms. N-E-L-M-S. And then it's his brother. I can't remember his name, but I just remember Ian Nelms. Um, But yeah, it's... It's ridiculous. It's goofy. Um, I will say that Santa gets shot in the eye, but somehow survives. Oh, okay. Well, you know, that's happened, I guess, yeah. right? And then he comes back to the 12-year-old kid, and he's like, I know what you did. You better be good. 
otherwise I'm coming for you next Christmas. Like, that kind of line. Uh, but it's actually, it's Mel Gibson. Yeah. So it's kind of... Kind of like, oh, shit, yeah. But we'll, we'll call this movie what it is. Military propaganda. Right. Christianity. Okay. And just a movie to be ridiculous with Santa Claus. It's That's what it is. Okay. He's done other things, the director. It's he, not his first one. Okay, I didn't think it was, but I just didn't. I, I hmm. can't yeah. say. It wouldn't have struck me if it was his first film, yeah. too. Um, but yeah, it's um, Marion Jean-Baptiste is great. Walton Goggins, I love him. He's great in everything. I was kind of mad when I saw the trailer going, oh, how far did he slide to have to do this movie? <laughs> um, but really, it was it was worth it. It was pretty good. And then there's Mel Gibson. And it's a combination of his care from the Patriot and I was Santa about to Claus. say, is he channeling the Patriot? God a little it. bit, yeah. All right. But yeah, so... He always I, has to have a, be a badass with a gun, I guess. So I would give it... the Patriot? Yeah. Have you seen the Patriot? We're talking about the American history. Film. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. I think my memory of it is a little... Okay. A lot of musket reloading yeah. in that movie. And also a lot of musket reloading. I mean, like, we yeah. could also talk about, like, Braveheart, too. Yes, Braveheart. I love Braveheart. Yeah. It's it's very, like, he's trying to be an action, like, like away from the action badass, is what I'd say. Okay. Sure. He's retired, but he still shoots his gun every now and then. If he needs to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like, it's, it's trying to get away from this, but he always knew this day would come where someone would find him, so he needed to stay one step ahead. Retired, but armed. Yes. Exactly. Retired but aren't. Um, <laughs> That's good. And I yeah. will also say that they do not understand the range of guns. Oh. Uh, Walton Goggins has like a like machine gun, and it has two pistols, and they fire at the same range. So if you're a gun aficionado or, or an enthusiast, don't go into this movie expecting that they consulted gun experts for putting together the the, the stuff. The only thing I will say is that there is a good job of when Walton Goggins reloads. Okay. Like, you know how movies, like, they have the endless clip where it's just the hero has all these bullets, blah, blah, blah. Um, Guns run out. The, the exactly. They do a good job of they need to reload or whatever. And, like, it's not like he's firing, like, over and over. He's, like, conserving it. He's <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, but I will say I gave it uh, three and a half um, elves. Out of five. Okay. I didn't think to ask about the elves. Yeah, right. Oh, so are the they elves... They have numbers. Okay. Not names. Are they, are they humans, like... But, or right, right, right. Like, they're normally... So, they're, okay. they're short. short. They're human-esque looking. We're, we're, yeah. ta- we're talking, we're talking Will, Will Ferrell's elf. Yeah, elves. They're, they're short elves. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They're not they're just They're short humans, I mean. Yeah, okay. they're, they're short humans. It's okay. Okay. The only thing that's different is they have pointed ears. Okay. Um, and then they wear bells on their shoes, which they, they did a scene when the military came in. Um, they have a metal detector to make sure they're out. They had to cut the bells off their shoes. That's oh. actually part of it. Wow. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's cheesy. Attention to detail there. Like I said, it's a fun movie. It's, it's stupid okay. how fun it is, but it's fun. That's what you sometimes want in a film. Stupid but fun. And that's exactly it. Watching it on my phone at one in the morning, it was exactly what I wanted. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Andre? Oh, okay. It's yeah, me. it's you, buddy. So, uh, Jill and I, uh, just yesterday, we watched uh, a supposedly Amazon original film, Uncle Frank. It actually Uncle premiered. Frank. It's um, it, it premiered uh, uh, this year's Sunday. It's back in January, but yes, yeah, nice. Amazon picked it up, and I think I guess they put it out for Thanksgiving. So, uh, yeah, I guess that lines up. Yeah. Um. So this is a this is a I guess I call it a drama film starring Paul Bettany. Um. It 
is... I guess I should just give you the high-level synopsis of it. Yeah. Uh, Wait, what was that face you just made, Mitchell? Uh-oh. Oh, he muted himself. He muted He's himself. looking at something else. We caught him. We caught, we him. caught him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm knocking out some Christmas shopping. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's talk of Christmas. Really put him in the mood for consumerism. That's right. Oh, shit. <laughs> Uh, I knew we caught you doing something. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. I gotta flip my... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like a picture of his face. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so uh, Uncle Frank. Uncle Frank, right. Okay, cool. So, I'll Paul just Benny. give you the high-level synopsis. Right, so... Um, this is a film about uh, uh, uncle, a family that is from South Carolina. Okay. Uh, this is in like what, like the late seventies, right? Early seventies. Early seventies. Yeah. Nineteen seventy-three. Cool. Okay. And um, a, the the narrator character uh, is a like eighteen-year-old girl named Beth, and it's basically her kind of recounting the story of how she got to know her uncle Frank. So it starts out with her just like the showing around like they're what? Nothing. Oh, okay. going? <laughs> this seems like it's taking a dark turn. No, <laughs> no, 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 it's not dark at this all. This is a fact. feel good film. Yes, okay, this is very right. much. I guess you should say from the top, this is gonna sound pretty scathing, but this is like a Hallmark movie for for gay people, basically. It's kind of like with that. a nice Hollywood budget. Yes, that's true. Yes, well, a well produced, well acted gay Hallmark film. Okay. Um, so yeah, anyway, so Beth is our main character. She's narrating, she's, uh, introducing us to her quaint, small town, South Carolina life. And she talks about how every once in a blue moon, like whenever there's a big family get together, her uncle Frank, who moved to New York city a few years ago, will come and visit. And she was always his favorite because she was always, he's always so different. He's more refined. He's the only one who actually takes interest in, in what she has to say. Uh, they immediately kind of, like, they show that they have this kind of deeper connection okay. where, uh, you know, so Uncle Frank is played by uh, Paul Bettany, and he kind of is the first person to say, like, hey, like, be who you are, be who you want to be, don't let anybody else tell you what to be, um, kind of lets her, really kind of, like, nudges her to have her own awakening of her self-worth insofar as, like, she's, I think, what was her, like, she was she was Betsy, I think, was her yeah, original name. Elizabeth's her full name. Her Elizabeth's her full Betsy. name, but she, everyone called her Betsy, and she's like, he's like, well, like, what do you want, like... Oh, Betty. Betty. It was Betty, Betty right. And she's like, well, so like, who do you... Who do you want to be? Yeah. be? Right, like, who, like, what What kind of what kind of name do you want for yourself? Like, Liz? Like, whatever. And she's like, See, I like I had a, I had a moment like that when I was a kid. Because, mm. like, I was I was Mikey. For right. Forever. Yeah. You know, and, like, when I was sick and done with it, uh, I had a cousin, or a great cousin, that I basically said, like, don't call me Mikey. And she goes, what do you want me to call you? And I was like, I don't care, just not Mikey. She still calls me Stan to this day. <laughs> You know, it's like that kind of thing. But sure. yes, I, I get that. So yeah. yeah, and and it's 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 kind of a good it's a good scene to really win because I like the kind of the, the chemistry is not the white word, but like immediately you you kind of buy into the connection that Paul Bendy has with this with this girl, and that you know she she's you know staying up for herself. She works hard enough at school to get go to NYU where he's a professor at. So he, she's like you know leaving the small town life to go to the big city along with her good her for uncle, you. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you immediately can tell that, I mean, obviously, like, the, the byline here is that, you know, Uncle Frank, he's gay. He's he's gay, and he belong. he's he's from a South Carolina family, like, a family from South Carolina in the early 70s. You yeah, kind of guess how that yeah. would go over, and you see immediately, yeah. they immediately show you the tension. I think they were there for, um, 
the main uh, Beth's grandpa's birthday, okay. and like he's opening presents. He opens one from from uh, from Uncle Frank, and obviously is like, "Why the fuck did you give me this? Like, this is dumb." Blah, whatever, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah. So okay, like like I so yes, uh, I would say like I'll just go through the first like twenty ish minutes, just high level, yeah. and you and you'll probably be able to get the rest of the movie, what happens from there, right? right? So Beth goes to New York, goes to college, uh, you know, through through a few uh, blunders, ends up at uh, uninvited to a, a party that Frank is throwing for his colleagues, like, you know, whatever, his various mm-hmm. colleagues, yeah. right? right. And uh, that's where basically she has her first drink. She gets super pa- she gets super drunk, passes out. Well, it starts getting sick. Uh, Frank has to take care of her, and that's how Frank kind of has to come out to her because it's right. at Frank's apartment where he lives with his with his, uh, his, his partner. partner right yeah. hiding for and keeping yeah. it hiding from the family and everything yeah. obviously beth being our the young 18 year old open-minded girl that she is cool with it is immediately happy that she has this shared like secret ish with right. frank and then the shoe drops that like you know it's the next morning she's nursing her hangover we're getting to meet wally frank's partner who we love i we like love uh, wally. i should say that everybody everything about this movie it's very well acted that's probably my be- the best part about it is that it has a great cast yeah. and it's well acted and i'm endeared to the characters um so yeah like we're hanging out and it's oh it's great woo like how we're we gonna break the family you know wally's musing about how oh i just wish i could meet your family and frank is like oh of course you can never meet my family you know why it's gonna be terrible right. they can never find out yada 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 the shoe drops frank's dad uh, Uncle, unexp- un- uh grandpa mac grandpa grandpa what mac mac, mac yes big okay. mac who's played by steven root who i love love seeing oh, him nice. everything. Yeah. uh he suddenly dies of a heart attack and they have to go back to the funeral um, well, he insists that he wants to go to be there to support Frank. And then obviously Frank is like, no, that's a bad idea. Don't go. It'll yeah. just be me and Beth. Yeah, yada, yada. They go on the little road trip. Of course, Wally tails them behind and it's like, oh, he tagged along anyways. Wally, you rascal. Because he forgot Frank's tie. And it's uh, like, oh, you rascal, rascal. Wally. <laughs> I guess you'll just come on, come along. And, you know, um, you get these little conversations with um, Beth, like, trying to figure out more about Frank. Like, okay, like, when did you realize you... Like, the obvious questions a kid would ask, mm-hmm. you know, who's still learning about, the, like, gay culture, essentially. Like, okay, when, Tadeline, when did you find it you were gay? about herself, too. Yeah, yes, yeah. That's, yeah, obviously, yeah. yes, exactly. Because she's also still very much... That she hasn't, I would say, not sexually blossomed yet, I suppose, yes. right? Yeah. And they make and a point of that. it's depicted yeah. as a choice slash when, at the beginning of the film, uh, Uncle Frank tells her... You know, don't waste your time on boys. You're smart. You could go to college right. if you wanted. Yes. Right. He even tells her, and I think the it's a four-year It's a four-year four year time yeah, job, yeah, yeah. so the, it's yeah. like 1969. And the first 10 minutes in 1969, he tells her, you know, if you ever need an abortion, don't call your well, family, it, you call it's, me. Well, it's more like if you have... Oh, he he's phrases okay. it like, if you ever find... He was, he was like making fun up. of his... He was making fun of her cousin yeah. who was knocked up, and he was like, if well, if you ever find control, yourself knocked up, If yeah. you ever need birth control, I'm your first call. So immediately... I'm your first call. Which is like, wow, it's yeah. 1969, and you're just telling this right. 14-year-old girl that don't throw your life away, essentially, for and, a stupid and, boy. And, and right. that conversation kind of plants the seeds for this relationship between Beth and Frank that I wish the movie kind of focused a bit yeah. more on. Yeah. So, uh, I guess, whatever. So, basically, you get it's alluded to that Frank has this tragic past about how his first love and all that stuff. And I feel like I can just, like... You you could probably just fill in the blanks right. with the rest of the movie about mm-hmm. how that's all gonna go down, you right. know. 
And my that's kind of my biggest thing with this movie is that none of the plot is very surprising. Nope. Yeah. It's not very challenging. I will uh, say what happens at the funeral with the will reading was we were joking saying it's not like they're not yes, going to do that. Yes, that's true. And then they, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, gr- Grandpa Mac is a petty bastard until to right. the end, essentially. Yeah. Yes, he basically. Outs his, he outs Uncle Frank oh, at the funeral. At the, okay. yes. at the will reading. At the will reading. At the he will outs, reading. Okay. I outs Uncle Frank. That's the big, like, whoa. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's you know in the moment it was it was it's well acted like I said before uh, it hits all those emotional beats you know it I it hits you right in the feels and it's a feel good movie there's there's emotional highs emotional lows but after I finished it it's like okay yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah. don't need to go back like everything's kind of wrapped up in a neat nice little bow it's not. Yeah. Which, I mean, like, it, it goes with your description of it as a Hallmark yes, movie for exactly. gay couples. Yes. Like that, yeah. And I would say that the um, the framing character, Beth, who I, I didn't look up her name, played um, uh, Beverly in It, the oh. child actress. Okay, yeah. She's very, very good. It's right. almost not fair that the script does not give due Basically kind Basically kind right. of forgets She's, about her. She's not a plot device because the plot device is the funeral or the grandpa dying in the funeral. She's more like we need, like I'm pushing the plot along, and then once they get on the road back to South Carolina for the funeral, she effectively disappears into the yes, background, right. and we yeah. never really because get we, anything about it. Her. It, it, it basically focuses entirely on Frank's estranged oh, yeah, relationship yeah, yeah, with his father. Yeah. Okay. I get that, and it, it sucks because like child roles sometimes are written that way, where it's just like, okay, you're just here. Until we don't really need you anymore. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. She's not even a you know a little mo- plot mop, but she's an eighteen year old woman. A plot. And mop we don't it. we don't really it. know much about her. We don't know why why right. did she choose NYU? What does she want to like? Who we we know that she can be whoever she wants to be, but we don't know who that is. And right. It would have been nice if we had gotten a bit more of that mm-hmm. because with such a character driven piece, she's very weak. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's not like I'm being harsh on it. I did really like it, but, um, yeah, I would say all of the interesting parts kind of happen. All the plot threads kind of open up in the beginning aren't really followed through on once you realize, like, halfway through, like, okay, this movie's going to be about this now. Let's face it. We've done enough movies. We can say at this point, a movie can be enjoyable, but also mundane. Yes. A little bit, yeah. I would say the the Wally Wally and Frank's relationship keeps it from being mundane because yeah. right, it's never boring to watch. Like yeah. it's too well acted, and the characters are too endearing to, to be I like. Guess, I was never I guess mundane out. was the wrong choice, I, but like it can wrote. be. It's yeah. Wrote. Yeah. no, that's a really good way to describe it. This is a very paint by numbers, yeah. t- uh, historic coming and, out story. and it never it's there's no gray like there's really no gray morality where it's like yeah. it's like there are people the characters are either totally okay or written to be framed totally okay with being with homosexuality totally okay or they're totally against it and it's like there's oh no gosh. time too because it comes there's in the last no 20 minutes right yeah, yeah. And there's no there's no really exploration of people who are who are meaning well but are actually problematic and so far as all that goes like it's just a do you accept sexuality or do you not right Blah, that's it you know that's tough yeah. Uh, that's tough to watch in a movie too where it's just it's I feel like with gay movies uh, and I mean that like in quotes like gay movies you have to either love them hate them there's no in between versus like you can get more deep with it like I don't I don't right. think I've ever seen a movie that deals with gay people that are just like they're just gay like it's not it's not 
drummed up her character. Right. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah, it was. There was no like eye-opening moment of like, oh, I didn't even know that that's what that was like or whatever. You know, it's just like, okay, no, this is gonna go. All right, that's how it went. From like a historian, not that I'm a historian, but from a history person's perspective. It's set in 1973. The the costumes and the music are fantastic. You really feel like you're there. But it's almost kind of interesting that they skirt over, you know, being gay. They they go to the Bible side because, you know, South Carolina religious family, like, being gay is a sin. But they don't have larger ramifications. There's a five-minute plot beat where they're more concerned about getting caught with having marijuana because that's illegal than discussing the ramifications of their sexuality being known to the public. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I, I, I know this movie's not trying to be a, have a socialist agenda, but it's that it's, they made a point to set it in this time period. And I read that it's based on the uh, director's uh, own family experiences. Okay. But, you know, it's, it's a very uh, sanitized. Yes, sanitized is a good way to put it. Yeah. Which yep. is fair. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, after all that, I don't know. I sound pretty negative, but I still, I think it's, I think it's worth watching. It's a Rating. good movie. Rating. You didn't have yeah. to pay to see. I'll give it three Jack Daniels nibs out of five. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of Jack Daniels in the movie. Yeah. We're, we're, we're on a roll of threes. Like, yeah, yeah I gave it 3.5 threes. Yeah. And so that's, that's exactly the transition, Jill. <laughs> I appreciate that you caught that. Mm. Uh, you... Lost our trivia challenge, which we played Sporkle Party, which uh, was great because we could play it from wherever. Hashtag Sporkle Party. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a shout out because they also liked our Instagram and like commented. Yeah. That's great. Um, but yeah, so we played a Sporkle Party, and we all were close at the end, except for Mitchell, who got that question. <laughs> was, um, was that the Terminator question? Yeah. Uh, that was another one. No, it was the final question. I think it was the Orson Welles question. Mm. Yeah. It was um no it was the first question who played uh two character or two people played the same character in the same year ah and yes that was the yeah, uh, no. you said it yeah yep what was Alfred it Hitchcock. 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 Mm-hmm. yes it was um yeah it was um uh Anthony Hopkins Hopkins biopic. and huh yeah who was it was the other one besides Anthony Hopkins it was like it was Alfred Hitchcock was playing the pick yeah I think it was Toby Jones was the other yeah, yeah Toby yeah. Jones yeah. that's yeah. it yeah. 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 So, we yeah. We close. So, Jill, you lost. I did. You... Lost, I did. So, in honor of having to watch a very bad movie, I went to my first gut reaction, was, which was a film a friend recommended called Killer Sofa. Um, <laughs> so, I've known about it for a little time. Great start. Those who are curious, it currently has a 3.5 out of 10 on IMDb. Um, yep. This is a New Zealand picture. So... It wasn't even on Rotten Tomatoes when yeah. we were talking about it. It's not on Rotten Tomatoes. I tried and looked everywhere. I could not find any budget information. All I really knew about this film going to it is that Jed Brophy, who is a frequent collaborator with Peter Jackson, he appears in Lord of the Rings, and he is Nori, the starfish dwarf in The Hobbit, is in it. <laughs> so I was excited to show up for Jed. Um <laughs> So You're all here for Jed. You're here for Jed. <laughs> You're here for Jed. Yeah. All I knew is that it is about... Like, you know what? How about I just read you the one sentence from IMDb? A killer reclining chair becomes enchanted by a girl and starts hitting crimes of passion. So I'm going to just admit something <laughs> yeah, right off the yeah, bat. Yeah, your last word, right? Passion. <laughs> I'm going to just admit something right off the bat here. It is not a sofa. No. It is a reclining chair. It's a recliner. Chair. It's a singular. lazy boy. Okay. One person can fit 
It's like that. Tsunami, where it's a tornado of wasps. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, okay. So, yeah. All right. So, so false advertising. So we're starting off on a lie. Yeah. Next, let me just share with you an image of said killer killer sofa. You're going to oh, put it over the phone for, I will. for Mitchell. I personally am comparing it to a grumpy photo, Bert the Muppet. There you go. Oh, you're not angled at it right. Oh, God. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> you could just Google it yourself. Guess. I don't oh, know. No. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. So, it, they put a face on it. You yeah. can tell that there is a face. So, I'll run you through a really quick overview of the book. It starts off with a dude committing um, a murder in a space. We don't exactly where. And there's a reclining chair looming in the background. Jump the next day, said chair is being delivered to our main character. Whose name I already forgot. Oh my oh, gosh, man. yeah. Who? Francesca, who has her whole life has had this weird effect on men where they effectively become obsessed with her, although she says dedicated. So she gets this chair. Okay. She, you know, is very excited about it. The, the murder happened. Duffy as Detective Bob Gravy and his kick. Detective, Detective Grape. Yes. Grape and Grape. Yeah. They're trying to figure out what happened to the guy who got murdered, who was um, Francesca's ex-boyfriend named Frederico. They couldn't even wait. They they, they went with GRA and then whatever vegetable. Yeah. Gravy. 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 So they're trying to figure out what happened to Frederico, who's the guy being murdered at the beginning. Um, shenanigans is about. Third plot is <laughs> there is a rather chubby former and his men who are demon hunters. This is never set up. You're watching a dude on YouTube talking about a demon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the rabbi's watching YouTube videos. Former rabbi. Former rabbi. Former sorry. rabbi. Yeah, for, he's sorry, not, not practically a former. He's not actually a rabbi. Come on, Andre. My bad. We all got this. Um, so yeah. we've got murder, a new ring chair, demons. The rest of the film is friends getting really familiar. Yeah, she, right. It's She basically has sex with it somehow. No, foreplay. Yeah. Yes. She's, she's chair foreplay. She pulls its lever a lot. Yeah. Oh. Yep. All right. I was just like, how does this work? It's a like, reclining chair, so it reclines. <laughs> <laughs> the worst part is my mind went through a guy doing a sofa. And I was just like, okay, no, I that could do it. This is a recliner. It's a recliner. <laughs> Sorry. Um, well, she's just taking a nap. She's a not little... taking a nap. She's feeling it. But that's a nap. It's a little sensual, you know? Does it, does it have a vibrate feature? Is that yeah, but sure. Sentient. They established that very, very quickly that the sentient. Okay. Um, it's watching her. And she's living with her boyfriend, and it starts committing murders. It kills her boyfriend. It kills her stalker. Because remember, this weird effect on men. Oh, my God. Stalker you can't blow, blow, yeah. blow over the stalker part guy. Like, there. what? So this chair is committing murders. Detective Grape and Gravy are trying to figure out what happened to the first victim. Her rabbi is trying to find a demon. Or there's a demon afoot. There's a demon. Yeah, and yeah. conveniently, his granddaughter, Maxie, is best friends with Francesca, who received the chair. Shockingly, oh. it takes most of the film for these two to put together there. Well, I mean, their names are Grape and Gravy. So. Yeah. And uh, up to that. So the victim of the killer chair is uh, Francesca's boyfriend, um, who nobody believes Rip. after he gets, like, his legs get impaled. Right, that's the worst part. Is oh. No one believes him. Yeah, like, he's he so he, he gets his legs impaled while making a DiGiorno pizza, right? So he's making a DiGiorno pizza, not paying attention, listening to music, and he gets stabbed in his legs by the two spiral, like two spirals that come like, out from the gum. Like yeah, yeah, pin to an oven. And they're like, wow, that's so weird. Both your legs got impaled. Like they find him in the Stupid bathtub. Guy. 
<laughs> and, well, I guess you got to go to your mom's house and just recover there. So he's so not only does does the sofa not make the kill right away, but no one believes him. The sofa comes to finish him off. Right, the sofa yes, can move around. Yeah. Um. So it kills recliner. Yeah. Recliner. Sorry. So the recliner kills him. <laughs> Much off. more agile that way. Less <laughs> less. The next. Uh, <laughs> we just have to address Fran- recliner. Recliner. Yes, right? yes. Francesca's having this ex-boyfriend is missing and was a stalker. Frederica, current boy, died. She's being questioned by the police. Her stalker, who is in her band, a dancer. Oh, sorts. that's why she has the effect on people. Okay. Not an erotic no. dancer, just a dancer. Mom, no, no, no I, I get it. I, if you dance in a band, you are going to have an effect. So she has a stalker, his cousin, who lets himself into her apartment, put cameras in place, then gets into her bed and dry humps some pillows under the covers, and Lofa kind of scoots on in, murders him. Because, you know, people are creeping on Francesca, and that's only the sofa's job. I mean, recliner. Yeah, recliner's job. So all these murders are happening. Maybe you're starting to put it together, but it's not going well. And Gravy, his wife left him, so Grave's like, do you want to come back to my place? And Gravy shuts that shit down. So poor Grave. It's also, like, is also upset with Francesca Yeah, because of her effect on Because of her effect, right. Yeah. So, yeah. What, so I'm sure you're all wondering, what is the climax of this? So the rabbi, the rabbi figures out there's likely a demon inside this, the little to keep it away from Francesca. In reality, in the past, so flashback time, there were two murders. One got killed, the other ran into woods and committed suicide in front of somebody, uh, Francesca's ancestor. And okay. the woman who committed suicide, her spirit is now haunting Francesca's bloodline. Even though her great grandmother went off a nut, so oh, how the, the progeny like yeah. No, so whatever. the rabbi believes that they need to exercise the demon inside the sofa, and that'll solve all the problems. Turns out something like but it ain't a demon. It's Frederico. He is inside the cleaner. Right. So the opening scene, we thought he was getting. It's just his legs getting chopped. Yeah, it was inside. a favor favor from a friend that chopped off his legs so he could fit yeah, inside call, the recliner. I got a call up. He just told me to do it. I don't know. I did it. Right. No. Yes. Yeah. No. So it's just to do inside the sofa, right? Recliner. 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 Right. So inside There's the, a sofa. So they have to come in. Yeah. <laughs> the recliner is trying to Francesca. Great bust then recliner. The queen falls down, and there's half of Frederico, and they're like, "All right, well, we've solved the mystery. We know Frederico. We know who's been killing the people." The no, actually, there really was demon inside the recliner. It um was looking for a spirit to pass on into a body. Because Frederico, well, no, he's dead. Oh, so it was a fake out. So the the, the evil spirit in <laughs> yeah, the recliner. Yeah, that's right. They 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 they, they their plot twist. This is like two minutes after reveal the plot twist. By and the this way. is so. Evil held the evil spirit of the man who was one of the two murderers, goes into gravy. Francesca, by a ghost that only appeared twice, the spirit of the ghost goes to Francesca. Poor Grave goes to visit Francesca and sees through a window, Grape and gra- uh, Gravy and Francesca She's utterly, she probably knows too much. So the film ends on a cliffhanger of Gravy and Francesca leaving the house to often commit more murders. So they're still out there. Yep. Oh my god. This movie was a tight 81 minutes and there's a bit that I did not talk about. It was okay. it was thankfully short. <laughs> very yeah. very That's, short. Hey, um, uh, the, you know, I'll give the props. I'll give props to the because we're intimidating. They got, it, it's, the minute it started talking and showing oh that it god, had teeth yeah. was kind of strange. And you saw that dirt puppet face. Yep. Um I really wish I knew what the budget of this film was. Like, a student film was. We're gonna post on our Instagram a picture of the uh, derpy face because no. It's kind of cute. It's cute. And on the drive here, I realized there was a couple of plot 
holes that I didn't think oh, of. Oh, no. Such what? as... There was no, plot holes. Away. How did Francesca get a recliner that was of a murder? Right? So, yeah, like, well, okay, so they pick up... Like so, a bunch of random characters. They come to deliver it. They come to deliver it, and they, it, and they well, 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 right, and it almost crushes one of their hands. Like the oh, what's wrong with did this it, recliner? Like, fall or no? no. So like it's so under so the, the, like the kick the oh, okay, okay. so oh, and that's how it walks. Right. Because it walks. So imagine the sofa. So like the uh, the recliner. So like the uh, the foot comes out, and then just kind of oh god, kind of walls yeah. No, I'm glad you that because the people at home are going to get that. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. yeah. That is the sound of oh, the yeah. recliner. Yeah, no, um, that's, yeah. It is, it, if you enjoy shocky B, C, 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 D, C-rated horror, watch it, pop popcorn, have beers, take a drink every time they say grape and gravy, recliner, or Francesca. If you are going to be the Blumhouse film, you are in for a world of disappointment. But... By the way, shout out to our friends, Bad Movie Drinking Game, that follows And when I said we would watch a bad movie, they made one for us for Avatar, hmm. which we still have not watched. I would watched. love to do oh, that. No. Like yeah. the latter? Yeah. I would have tried to make, I had like an ad hoc. Um, That's right, yeah. It's, it's on Prime for free, so no money was to watch this film. Thank God. But yeah, go into it knowing it's bad. Go in prepared for some laughter as well as why oh why is this happening? Why oh why? Also, no offense to the actors who played the bad rabbi. Do you work on your show far link because you suck at it? Damn. That was that little horn. <laughs> yeah, thing. oh yeah. No, no, no. You were pissed off about it. I, I remember. Sympathetic. <laughs> Took you out of the movie. We're so immersed in one. I really was. I really was. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Hey, I give, I, I, I'm so gonna how many show five out of this? How many, how many recliners, yes. not lo- not sofas, out of five? <laughs> oh, yeah. I make the streak of threes and give it a two and a half. Wow! Ooh. That is the highest. Do you want to know why I'm giving it a decent? Is it? Because what would have what been higher? So, one of the ones I watched was uh, highly fashionable or whatever. It that's was. right, yes. And I thought it was really as bad as I thought it would so be. So, okay. there's. But a, I, that's the only one that I have on, like, the radar of babies. So yeah. Two, two and a half for the uh, killer sofa, and some of that is Jeffy's in it, and I just love him. However, the real reason this movie is not because on Thursday I had the unfortunate mispleasure of watching 1995's The Net with Sandra Bullock. And yeah, it, it's good for her for having a career after. So it seems like one is just like maybe it was trying to be good and it ended up bad. Are we talking Killer Sofa? No, because Killer Sofa, we just knew it was I going to be. Good. They so knew they any movie called Killer Sofa. The one in tongue in cheek. Yeah. The net days, I think that they had this plan of the internet is evil. Yeah, let's make a movie about that. Okay. It was written by men for men in how. Hackers are. Maybe the tagline should be Gaslight the movie. Yeah. That's a good title. Okay, so, well, that brings us to our next thing. Normally, it's part of the portion of the show. We talk about the about or dreading. Uh, We're talking about something that's news related. News! Um, So, just this week, Warner Brothers announced that all of their 2021 films are going to be released in theaters as well as on HBO Max simultaneously. Um, we're going to get our thoughts on this. We're going to get our feelings on this. We're going to get, we're talking what's out on this, Mm. um, because it's an interesting thing that this pandemic created this new line of thinking that this is now happening. Um, I don't know who wants to go first. Who's feeling 
strongest opinion. I can go first if yeah, yeah, do that. Yeah, I also just it. talked for a good ten yeah. minutes. <laughs> okay. so yeah. Um, well, I will say that I. What's interesting about it is how they are trying to also stay in love with theaters, um, mm. because the idea is going to streams for like thirty days and then it goes back to theaters only. Yeah. Okay. Huh. I didn't realize that it was like a time thing. So it's going to be a time thing a where it's, and, and I don't know if it's 30 days, maybe I'm wrong on that, mm. um, but it's going to be a time thing where it's available on stream and then it's going to be off streaming, but in theaters and then it's back to streaming. Got it. And yep. like the streaming is going to be following more like the model we use. It's like, yep. okay, it's been in theaters for a while. Give it time, give it time, give it time. Now it's streaming. Right. Okay. Um, I find it interesting because and I know some people disagree with me, but I've seen the end. Of- mm. I do. I think we're, we're seeing the end of multiplexes. Yeah. Yes, I would agree. I with that. think I think yeah. Alamo survived. I think ArcLight. They got to make it boutique. They got to make it special. Bring on uh, the indie if, art theaters. Yeah, and if you're if you're AMC, you have the ability to pivot, but how fast you can do it? That's that's another question for you. Right. So you know, my thing is though. Are you willing to spend twenty bucks at the movies versus thirteen bucks a month for HBO Max? Well, for- yeah, no, Depends. no, Mike. So the difference here is they have to eventize this stuff. It has to be a special outing. Like that's those are the years that are going to survive. Casually going to AMC because you're an A-list member, like that's done. That is done. The Sunday night. Yeah. Okay. The sun. Yeah. Unless you know it's a night out. You know, and they really go out of their way to make something where it's an experience. And really sizing the customer service and just having a blast for two hours. Uh, the normal movie theater multiplexes, they can't hang. They were built to do that. Um, so this is, I think I think you're on to something when it's, it could be the dead theaters. Yeah. I, I don't know. I guess I, I'll just add Rachel's thoughts on that. Yeah, I agree. It, it would be, I would still, I still have my theater whenever it's safe, rather, you know, in 2021 or 2022 or whatever. But yeah, it'll be probably less frequent because, you know, we'll have that streaming option. I'm going to say uh, Chris Stuckman, who does movie reviews, um, made a really good point saying that the future of film going, kind of going one of two ways. It's good for the people who, when they go to a movie, they treat it as if they're watching a movie at home. The people mm. who are always on their phone or not really paying attention, they don't have to go to theaters anymore. They can be oh, home. Okay. For people who love going to movies... Yes, the Metaplexes, I agree with you on that. I think that happen. But for the that hold on, we love movies, There's, it's still going to be there, and now you don't have to worry about Aaron sitting next to you oh, that's on true. Candy Crush. Oh, yeah. I don't have to worry about the guy at Murder in the Orient that sat right in the theater. That guy was the uh, That, but I agree for films that it's going to be fans where, you know, come out for a show. But there are always going to be movies where no matter how free it is, almost be was Imagine yeah. Mad Max never being on a big screen. Well, so that's that's the next thing I'll bring up. Is, um, it's uh, is it Denny Villeneuve? Denny Villeneuve, yeah. yeah. Dune. Dune. Yeah. Um, they've now complained about the fact that they did not sign up for this. This is not what they wanted, and they got by Christopher Nolan. Right. Who of well, course, Chris- we knew Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Um, you tried to attend it. Who, yeah. who was involved in this deal with? Because, like, I mean, it's a production house to consult with anybody to make this decision. Own these films. Well, so that's that's the story that I'm saying is Dune expected to be released on a big screen. It is a movie made for the big screen. Yeah. And they're now complaining about it. Now, 
the article I read says it might be a big issue because basically Warner Brothers is just going to pay this production company who owns it and, out it. and then it's not going to be an issue because then Dune gets their money, Warner Brothers money. It's not a big issue. But yeah. what happens to these yeah. Go ahead, Mike. What happens to these movies that are like big screen? Like I, I know you boutique theaters and everything like that, and I'm I'm 100% on board with Connecticut. There are no boutique theaters except for Art Cinema and Sinopolis. Who, let's face it, Sinopolis is probably going to die too. I, think, I was really hoping when Sinopolis closed, for Richard's going to fold become an indie theater. Exactly. Like it, we have ways, and then we have something in New Haven, probably. We have something in New Haven. Yep. Yeah. It's the college town thing. Well, what are we going to do since we do not have boutique theaters? I mean. I mean, it's it's impossible to, to predict 100, percent but I could do like you know, limited to it could be that that AMC somehow pivots and become their premier experience. You know, it's unlikely, I yeah, guess. Well, they, but what they also you do know. is show start putting money back into indie films, doing uh, screenings of things on 70 millimeter. You know, I've seen. Yeah. Um, I mean, this was in um, uh, in uh, Cambridge and Bo- outside of Boston, but you know, I got to see on the film that it was originally made on, and it was amazing. So people are always going to show up to see films like that, or yep. during like, to go see Elf or uh, Miracle on 34th Street. So I think it has to be a compromise that's being screened. It's, you know, maybe we're not going to have everything, but we're screening the big blockbusters, we're filling in with the Criterion Collection, or okay. we're having these, you know, we're going to be reaching colleges and having film students screen their stuff. It, it's really the only way. I both are done. Because it's part of it, but I ask theaters to go the way of Broadway, where it's just prohibitive. And please, like, I love the theater experience. I do say, I want the theaters dead. I'm like just playing all. devil's advocate. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, you wouldn't have a podcast if you didn't like theaters. And that's exactly it. I, I love the theater experience. That's why we had such a big discussion. Theater, I hated because the rest of the theaters have done such a good job to make us feel a part of it. Sure. Um, and one experience is, even though I didn't like the movie, was after the bachelor party. Jason Brett and I went to um, Alamo? Alamo Draft yeah. House in Kansas City to Hobbs and Shaw. Nice. And Hobbs and Shaw sucked. <laughs> but it up last. It was like car chase scenes. It was a like, hey, here's who Hobbs and Shaw is in the movies. Nice. It was built for that. Sure. Where it's like it's such individualized for the movie that it was kind of, that was a blast of an experience. Hmm. Before then I saw the movie. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You know, one thing I don't want like discussion. So, Mike, just to go back to your point about Dune. Yeah. The reason production companies complain, you know, there's definitely a part of the exhibit. They're also in this deal with um, Warner's that yeah. they point if a movie goes 200 million, 100 million right, right. Right. That higher, When they say we go into not what they sign for, they, you know, they have this huge cap, put in this kind of budget. In the hope that it's going to be a billion dollars, the producers so many back end points and actors and end up for this, and it's a big deal at least for the initial movies that we have been made and are ready to be re- released in a way. Uh, the giant studios need to figure out okay, how do we work this economically? Because you know, going forward, we could say in right, this is going to go straight. You know, this is going to go straight to uh, HBO Max, and they're going to pen the deals appropriately. You have something like Patty Jenkins making Wonder Woman, you know, where she was probably slated to make a lot more money than she did the first time around. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this is really changing the game. Contracts uh, are going to be, because there's no such thing as points. To, right. It's almost impossible to predict 
oh, subscribers this month because of Doom. Yeah, and that's exactly it too. Like it's it's tough because not only can you not put the subscriber based on that, but also is like you say we had this many, but that doesn't include the people. That's literally what it is. Yep, jumped on their buddy's account or whatever. What Mitchell just made me realize that's why Disney Plus Disney chose to do what they did with Mulan. Mm-hmm. Which was kind of you know, after Tenant failed to revive the theaters, you know. I think Disney Plus was one of the first stops reading like, okay, we need to show this film. We can release it internationally, but we can't do it in the zoo. I wonder if that's why they put this tag on it was to be saying get uh, the people in the back rooms to the points to actually recoup some of the costs and maybe make crack a billion. And I mean, I don't know if it had been a different film because I know Mulan not like I know it had maybe some success, but Disney books they don't release their numbers right and it Let's, didn't work yeah that's all what it is if it was a success we would have known about it yeah we would have known would about have, it we, and, would be, would and we would be, be, be paying for soul right? yes yeah. exactly. yeah. we would not be getting yep, yep, soul yep, for yep. free yeah exactly exactly right on that by the way uh i just also want to say that the people that were trending mulan on twitter when warner Brothers announced this deal so warner Brothers announced that mulan started trending because they were like didn't have to pay for this blah 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 well, whatever um, the funny thing is that when Mulan was released for the price tag, they said in the beginning, streaming eventually for free. Yep. And all they're complaining, 30 bucks for it. I well, paid 30 I'm sorry bucks. you got duped. <laughs> You're a dumbass. You're not going to read the fine print because I not that I was ever going to show up to see Mulan because I have a very strict aversion to all the live action Disney remakes. <laughs> but, Fair. you know, it was, I'll, I'm not going to give that thing my yeah. paying Disney Plus. And besides, you know, when a Disney Plus wants to charge money, additional money for their theatrical released films, don't make it $30 and not give anything else with it. Right, if it's right. going to be $30, I want Peter Jackson behind the scenes, three hour long featurettes. I want to know how this movie was made. I want the deleted scenes. I want the blooper. I want the commentary. I want all of that for $30. Here's your movie. Yeah. Um, I hate to cut this conversation short because I actually I enjoy this conversation everything like mm. that but we are past an hour oh. um, which is not the end of the world if we want to keep talking I'm okay with it like well you know we can always have like the B side the B side B side I can't remember uh, oh I haven't thought about this but if you guys want to buy a like spe- like special edition <laughs> To our podcast. Oh my gosh. The Patreon. The Patreon. <laughs> it's there happening. We go. And, and please, like, this is this is right now just thinking of uh-huh. it. Because I think we could go on for this conversation. I, lo- I love brainstorming our podcast live on air. It's great. Uh, this is literally live on air. We're brainstorming. This is what you get when you subscribe to our podcast. For, for a dollar, you can throw out your hot takes and we'll react. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nothing like seriously, though. We're brainstorming because we're... we're a local podcast that's made for the local people, uh, not local people, but like for the, the friends. We're not made for a big crowd right now. Right now. We may get to the point. <laughs> but right now, it's just our friends, family listening. Um, if you like what you're hearing and you would pay money for it, let us know. But really, reach out to us. That's really what I'm, I'm getting to. Reach out to us on Instagram, on Facebook. We have an email, gameformoviepodcast at gmail.com. Send us your Twitter. comments. What? I think it's time for Twitter. Twitter? Oh, boy. Okay, we'll add a... Tr- oh, man. Now we got a tweet now. Uh, we got to okay, get a tweet, guy. tweet. Hey, uh, I'll give you a password if we want to tweet, whatever oh, we're thinking. Boy. Just try hot takes. 
I in our in our conversation, I don't think we've done enough of this. If you guys have something that wants to go on the Instagram, Facebook, whatever, mm. let me know. Yeah. The only reason is because at, up to this point, I've made it my personal password. Fair. Right. So I I want to include anything you guys think of that kind of stuff. We're we're just spitballing here on the old podcast. Yeah. Feel free to ask us questions. If we ever get mail, we'll read mail. Wow. Yeah. Like Blue's Clues. We <laughs> with this song and dance. Yeah. We just like got blues, a letter. We just got a letter. Yeah. We just, just got, got a letter. letter. Who, who it's from? from? <laughs> Are you guys a Steve or a Joe? Steve, what the Steve. hell? Yeah. Joe was cuter. Joe uh, had the hair. There was a Christmas special that Steve wow. made an appearance. Did yeah. Steve go Steve go off to be a DJ? Was that like the in real life he I think he college. acted? He went, he to, went college. to college. Uh, Steve was going bald. Yes. And yeah, so why'd you have to take take a dig at his hair, man? That's not cool. Why'd you say Joe had better hair? He yeah. Just, well, wow. yeah, that's because Steve spot. was balding. Steve was balding, yeah, exactly. And so, and in the Christmas special, he has a hat on because he's a detective because he was <laughs> sensitive about his hair. <laughs> you know what? For, for all the kids out there who are young enough to watch Blue's Clues or their parents, the new Blue's Clues has a really good-looking guy now. I don't know his name. Yeah, but, but it also has swole. a CGI blue. What? Like oh, super CGI. That ain't right. I'm too busy looking at the thirst traps, not Steve. That's oh fair. my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Have you seen his photo? No, I don't. Wait, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. wait who are we talking about? New guy on Blue's Clues. Yeah, we're talking Joshua De La Cruz. Joshua. De La Cruz. De La Cruz, okay. Yeah, and he's he is very good looking. He's yummy. If I were to <laughs> say something. <laughs> again, oh we got God. on my phone, so I can't look it up, but. And, and my boy is Filipino. And I just gotta say, oh, this yeah. is just a, a beautiful thing. Look at him! Oh, look at that guy! Yeah, he's cute. Oh wow! All right. <laughs> we all agree. Can he's I? Can I just say in the like? Wow, what best the way fuck? Possible? He's he's like weirdly buff. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> is you, <laughs> this is this is devolved amazingly. Wow. You can lift up the furniture and put him close. Like this has yeah, devolved oh amazingly. It, like it. <laughs> Blame the beer. Oh my god. <laughs> hmm. All right. Which anyways. one of us had a ten percent beer here? You. <laughs> yeah, and I'm on my eight percent. No, no. For all of those who are curious, what we're doing after this, we're gonna play a spicy game of Yahtzee to determine the next loser. Oh, it's gonna be great. Gonna I'm be really great. excited because I've drank way too much, so Yahtzee's right what I asked for. All right, excellent. My second time playing Yahtzee, everybody. I'm very excited. I'm gonna lose. I'm going to put it out right now on the podcast. I'm going to lose, and I'm going to have to watch a bad movie, and it's going to be great. It's going to be should, awesome. I should pick the movie, because it will be a Barbie animated film. Oh. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Wow, it's There's unorthodox, like, but okay. I love bad movies. I know, but okay. A Barbie movie? Yeah. Okay. It won't be like one of the really bad ones. It'll be like one of the middle tier. Mitchell, I, I hope you lose. <laughs> Well, you know, Marabi is, uh, or someone famous, it's someone, like, legitimate talent is supposed to be in a Barbie movie, like a live-action Barbie movie. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, a live-action is fine. We're talking about the animated ones. Yeah, the mid two. No, I know, but this could be... Abominations. <laughs> oh, God. All right. I hope well, you lose. The thing is, I'm not even there. Yeah, we're going to so... roll for you, and we're going to show you the dice. We'll we'll okay. get we'll get like a, a bucket. We'll put a hat on. We'll draw a face. We'll give it a name tag that says Mitchell. You're the whole time. You're gonna know we didn't cheat you. It's gonna be That's fine. fine. Yeah. 
All right. Well, we're going to close out this podcast because the last, like, five minutes we've been... We've gone been off the rails. Went off the rails. Yeah, we went off the rails. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, please comment, like, share, subscribe. Whatever you got to do on Instagram, Facebook. Um, we're going to be on Twitter, apparently. And YouTube? YouTube? Maybe? You know what? The algorithm will not get us. That's a lot of platforms. That's a lot of platforms. We're on Spotify. We're on CastBox. We're on Luminary. We're, we're all over the place. I don't even place. know what CastBox is. Uh, Castbox is where we've gotten the most comments. That's when you can actually like comment on a on show. On the timeline, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, cool. And I actually like that the best because I like hearing from you guys. Yeah. Um, so please send yeah. us thoughts, comments, uh, concerns. Yeah. But yeah. So for myself, Mike Butanek, Andre, Jill, Mitchell. Thank you guys very much for listening to Game for a Movie, where we ask, "Are you game for a movie?"